Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, since we're still here and the world didn't end yesterday, (laughs) must mean that the Lord has something yet for us to do. Now, with that in mind, I want to encourage you today. I want to teach you today how to be a contagious Christian. You know, that's our call. That's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to live in this world as contagious Christians. In other words, people ought to catch Jesus. People ought to catch Christianity by us being around their life. Now, I know there's a lot of folks here that would prefer to just kind of keep this part of their life private. And and, and you might be saying, why become a contagious Christian? Pastor, I'd rather just kind of leave that area as a private intimate part of my life just between me and the Lord. Well, I know a lot of people feel that way, but that's not our biblical mandate. Our biblical mandate is to be out there, to be contagious Christians. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 4, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. In other words, we should radiate in this dark world of sin. It says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In other words, Jesus says, light is intended to illuminate. He goes on to say, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and what? Praise God. Praise God the Father. In other words, they should, through your light, praise God. Because we're contagious and we bring contagious, positive energy to those around us. Now, I really like how Paul put this in speaking to the church at Corinth. In his second letter to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Understand just that. That if we will do this, we're going to be triumphal because Jesus is always leading us to victory. Now, he goes on to say, And spread and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. See, here's our privilege as born-again sons and daughters of God. We are to be His fragrance wherever we go. Wherever we go, people ought to go, what's that? (laughs) Something's different. Something smells good. And see, we're that fragrance. We are the knowledge of Him. Why? Because we're contagious. And the way we live Christ, and the way we embrace Christ, and the way we represent Christ is so energetic that people can't help but to notice. So why should we become contagious Christians? That's our privilege. That's our opportunity. It's not just an obligation. It's our mission. It's what we do, who we are, how we impact this world for Christ. So, how do we become contagious Christians? Now, I realize right now that a lot of you are a little uneasy. Because, boy, whenever we get out of this private, intimate kind of thing with God, and we start talking about being out there in the world with our faith, people get nervous real quick. But I want you to know that being a contagious Christian isn't as foreboding as you might think it is. In fact, I want to share with you this morning four behaviors that every one of us can embrace. Four behaviors that every one of us can exemplify in our life. Now, I'm not going to tell you that some of them aren't challenging. I'm not going to lie to you. But every one of us can do this. You can do it. I can do it. Every one of us can do it. And if we do it, we will be 
increasingly contagious Christians in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and everywhere that we go. So let's get rolling. How do we become contagious Christians? Number one, accept others unconditionally. Accept others unconditionally. Everyone needs acceptance. In fact, a great psychologist named Abraham Maslow did a very extensive study of mankind and and identified what he calls the hierarchy of human need. In other words, the needs that every human being needs in order to live a satisfactory and fulfilling life. At the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. And what that means is that everyone has to have a sense that they count, that they're here for a purpose, there's a reason they exist, that they are contributing something to the world. Right under that is self-esteem. Everyone needs to have a sense of, of, again, purpose and a sense of worthiness and a sense of accomplishment, a sense of, of, of mattering. Then right under that is love and belonging. Everyone needs to feel loved and everyone needs to sense belonging to something bigger than themselves. You know, this is why the gang phenomena is so strong in our culture and other cultures around the world. Not because, you know, uh, folks grow up one day and say, hey, you know, I want to be a gangster. I want to go rob things. I want to be part of the drug thing. I want to be part of the prostitution thing. I want to be part of drive-by and killing people at random going by the street. Now, that's not what it's all about. It's about belonging. Because they will take these folks who have been pushed out of their family or pushed out of school or pushed out of of, of society and they will embrace them and give them something to belong to. And that's why it's such a strong pull on so many people. Why? Because everybody needs acceptance. In fact, Maslow looks at the top three needs of human beings are emotional needs, psychological needs, and I would say spiritual needs. And yet there's so many people who aren't accepted. And even in our circle of influence, there are so many people who are being pushed aside. Those of you in school, you know students in school that that no one wants to sit with them at the lunch counter and and nobody wants to invite them uh, at recess to play and nobody's inviting them to the parties on the weekend. At work, all of us can identify people who have been pushed aside. Maybe they're not the top achievers, or maybe they don't look the part that we want them to look, or, or maybe, maybe uh, there is something about them that breaks them out in a negative way, and society and people kind of isolate and push them aside. They're outcasts. The Bible says that as contagious Christians... We need to be the people in the world that have the opposite relationship with them. Not pushing them aside, but bringing them in. See, that's the kind of presence Jesus was when he was here. The Bible says Jesus was a friend of sinners. In fact, the religious elite of Jesus' day, this is what they, con- they, they condemned him for. This is one of the things that they criticized him for. They said he's a friend of sinners. He associates with drunks. He associates with tax collectors. He associates with prostitutes. He's not one of our kind of people because the people he hangs around aren't our kind of people. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Now, it wasn't that Jesus approved and endorsed their behavior. He didn't approve of their sin. In fact, when the woman who was caught in adultery was brought to them, when he forgave her, he said, go and what? Sin no more. 
The difference was that Jesus looked beyond their behavior and he saw their hurt. And that's what he accepted unconditionally. He accepted them as a person. He accepted them with, yes, their inappropriate behavior that could change. But more importantly, he saw past their behavior. Whether it was an obnoxious behavior or an unbelieving behavior. A hateful, bitter behavior. And he saw the root of it. He said, there's a hurt there. And Jesus came to heal the hurt. In the same way, the Bible tells us in Romans 15, 7, that we're to accept one another. Look what it says. Just as Christ Jesus accepted you. The fact of the matter, Jesus accepted us in our ugliest condition and state. We weren't godly. We weren't pursuing godly things. We weren't perfect. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love towards us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God says now here, now since you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, since I've adopted you into my family, I want you to embrace our family values. And top on the list is this, we're a friend of sinners. We are a friend of the outcasts. We're a friend of the people who aren't on the social A-list. We're a friend of the people who dress differently. We're a friend of the people who aren't making it at work. We don't join the crowd that pushes them away. But in recognition of the fact that Jesus accepted us where we were at, and he accepts us every day where we're still at, we're going to look beyond their behavior, and we're going to accept them unconditionally. Now I want to warn you that as you begin doing this, and maybe reaching out to somebody who's an outcast at work or or in your family, understand, they're not readily going to just take to that. Why? Because they've been hurt and they aren't very trusting anymore. They're going to be very suspicious. They're going to think, what are you up to? You're setting me up. You must have come. They've got some kind of plan here and you guys are going to make fun of me again and you're going to suck me in and then you're just going to abuse me and you're going to beat me up again then you're going to laugh about it. And so they're not just going to readily respond to that. This has to be a lifestyle change for us. We just can't try it out and say, I'll test it out Monday and see how it works. But we need to accept others unconditionally. Why? Because everybody needs accepted. And not only will those who have been ostracized go, what's this? But those at work and those in our families and our neighborhoods and our schools, those who watch our behavior will go, what's that? Something different going on here. And the difference is the fragrance of God's unconditional acceptance of any man and any woman who will respond to him. Then we also need to encourage others continually. Encourage others. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up. You know what we're to be? We're to be builders. We're to be encouragers. Our position, our presence in the world is to be an encouraging presence. Three facts about all people. Everybody even here today. Number one, everybody's having a tough time. In something in their life, the person sitting next to you, the person sitting in front of you, the person sitting behind you, the person sitting diagonally across from you, every one of us in some area of our life has a challenge. 
Every one of us is having a tough time someplace. Everybody has a hidden hurt. I remember when I first began in ministry many years ago, I used to look at some people in the church and, and some people outside the church and, and, and look at a guy, and, and he was one of those guys that you know just were made to wear clothes and just handsome and wore the nice clothes and, and had a great job, drove a great car, had great family, everything you know, was just perfect. And I'd see women who were just knocked down beautiful and, and they were popular and, and all that kind of thing. And I'd think, man, some people just have it so good. And then I began to counsel them as a pastor. And you know what I discovered? I discovered that everybody has a hurt. I discovered that everybody is insecure about themselves someplace. Even these people, we think got it all and are wrapped together. And we just go, man, if I could only have half of what they have. You know, the truth of the matter is, they are having a tough time someplace in their life. And there is some hurt. There is some insecurity that is gnawing at them on the inside. Now because one and two are true, then number three is true. Everybody needs a lift. Everybody can benefit from a word of encouragement. Everybody needs an encouraging presence in his or her life. Now you say, well we just talked about that. But accepting others unconditionally and encouraging others continually are different. You say, well what's the difference? Well accepting people that's accepting, that's recognizing and embracing a person where he or she is at right now. Encouragement, on the other hand, is celebrating what they still may become through the influence of God in their life. Acceptance, we say, okay, I know where you're at. I see where you're at. You've got some hurt. You've got some scars. I'm looking beyond the way you're treating me and the way you're treating other people and the way you're talking and that obnoxious, inappropriate behavior. I'm looking beyond that because I know there's a hurt inside you. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like Jesus and I'm going to accept you. Now, encouragement is, listen, you know you don't have to live here. Listen, God made you, and, and you have potential that you don't even realize. And, and it's encouraging people to reach that potential. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. If we are Christians, that is our biblical mandate. See, the Bible says that we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to God. God bought us with the cost of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And so, therefore, these eyes are now His. These ears are His. These hands are His. These feet and legs are His. This body is His, and so is this mouth. This mouth is His. And the Bible says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. Instead, he says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. In other words, we are to be encouragers. Whenever we're dialoguing with others, because we want to be contagious Christians, because we want them to experience the fragrance of the knowledge of God in their life, we are using our mouths and our tongues to build up and to encourage according to what their need is. It finishes by saying that it may benefit those who listen. See, the world is the opposite. The world that we live in is full of sarcasm. The world that we live in is full of gossip. In fact, we thrive 
on trying to dig in and find the little dirty detail in somebody's life so that we can amplify that. That's what all these TV shows are about. That's what all these magazines are about. But when a Christ child comes on the scene and we are encouraging, people go, what's that? That, my friend, is the fragrance of the presence of God. Saw a poem that kind of really fit this, this particular behavior of contagious Christians. A wrecking ball knocking a building down. So I watched them tear a building down. A gang of men in a busy town. With a mighty heave and a lusty yell, they swung a ball and a sidewell fell. I asked the foreman, are these men as skilled as those you would hire if you had to build? He just laughed and said, no indeed. Just a common labor is all I need. And I can wreck in a day or two what it took the builder a year to do. I thought about it as I went my way. And asked which role in life I play. Am I the builder who with care marks life with the ruler in square? Or am I the wrecker as I walk about town content with the labor of tearing down? You know, which role do we play? Are we the builder who with purpose and with passion reach out with our mouths and our lives and our actions to encourage and build people up and help them to reach their potential? Are we a wrecking ball at work? Are we a wrecking ball in our family? Are we a wrecking ball wherever we go, knocking people down? We need to encourage each other continually. That's who we are. And when we do that, the fragrance... Of God who encourages us every day through His Word. Who encourages us through the presence of the Holy Spirit as we pray. Who encourages us through the songs that we sing. Who encourages us through the ministries we serve in. And through the relationships we have in the body of Christ. We need to forgive others freely. Now this might be the toughest one right here. Because it says we need to forgive others how? Freely. Oh, I don't know about that. Now again, I want to warn you that even when you try this, others aren't just going to jump on board with this. In fact, they will test your resolve by purposely hurting you. You just expect it. You, you come out and you try to accept them unconditionally and you try to continue them, uh, con, uh, encourage them continually and, and, and you try to come and, and forgive them freely. They're going to really test you. They're going to hurt you to see if you're genuine. They're going to go, what's that? And I don't believe it. I'm going to test it. Respond immediately with forgiveness. I love this little, little adage I found. Forgiveness. Love like you have never been hurt before. 
Love like there's never been one time in your life you've ever hurt, and this is a whole new experience, and, and, and so you don't, you're not going to respond to it like, like somebody's been hurt and abused and offended over and over and over again. The Bible says in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you have against each other. See, we categorize and say, well, I, I can forget that, but I can't forget that. I can forgive this, but I can't forgive that. No, the Bible says whatever. And you know, the, the stronger the grievance that we forgive, the more offensive the grievance that we forgive, the stronger the fragrance of God's presence is. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. See, the world needs a lot of peacemakers. Families need peacemakers. Office places need peacemakers. Factories need peacemakers. Schools need peacemakers. He says, Blessed are those who make peace. Blessed are those who forgive freely. For they will be called sons of God. And let me remind us, that's our goal. We want to be contagious Christians. We want to be known as sons of God, as daughters of God. And Jesus said, one of the key behaviors that are necessary for that to be the result is to forgive others freely. We need to forgive. I know it's hard. It's hard for me too. Don't kid yourself. People offend me and people talk about me and and, and people try to hurt me. And people try to do the same to you. And I know it's tough. But again, I can choose that I want the fragrance of the knowledge of God to be strong in my life. And so therefore, I can choose to humble myself before God and forgive those who offend me. It's a choice. Finally, help others willingly. Just be a helping presence in the life of others. Most people are facing obstacles in their life. Obstacles in the family. Obstacles on the job. And most people make themselves obstacles to the advancement of other people. But we're to be the opposite. We are to help others willingly. We're to help the guy at work get the sale. We're to help the other gal to to improve on the job. We're to help the other person pass the subject. We're to help the other person make peace. We're to be helpers. Ephesians 2.10 We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's, That's our purpose. We're created to do good works. Paul writes to Titus who is trying to pastor a new church in the island of Crete. And he says to him in Titus 3.14, he says, Our people must learn to devote themselves to good works. See, he says they've got to learn because it's not a natural behavior. Most of us are born and raised, or either we assume from our culture around us that life is about what all we can get out of life. See, we need to learn that that's exactly 180 degrees opposite of what God has for us. We are to live life for what we can contribute to life and what we can do for others. See, that way we won't live, as it says, unproductive lives. Here's the thing. We could be very successful in this lifetime. We could earn a lot of money, have all kinds of titles, all kinds of promotions, drive fancy cars, all that kind of thing. We could live our entire life that way and yet live an unproductive life. 
Why? Because listen, the moment I die, everything I've achieved, everything I own, is gone forever. It, 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 all of my belongings transfer on to somebody else, my kids or the state or the government, whoever's going to get it. My job, someone else will be your pastor. But, when I live as a contagious Christian, accepting others unconditionally, encouraging others continually, forgiving others willingly, and helping others willingly, then what happens? That goes on for all eternity. That's eternal treasure. That will never pass away. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 42, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, I tell you the truth, he will not lose his reward. How tough is this last one? It's the easiest of the four. Because Jesus said, even when you give a cup of cold water to somebody who's thirsty, that counts. That's a reward. Now you won't remember that. Yeah, you're probably going to do it and not even think about, here, let me give you a glass of water, you look hot. And you're going to go away, you're not going to think again about it. But when we stand before the Lord, even those little things, when we stand before the Lord at the beam of judgment seat, not for our sins, but to reward us for the things that we've done as contagious Christians, Jesus is going to say, I remember when you gave that glass of water. I remember when you opened the door for that person. I remember when you gave up your seat on the bus to that lady. You don't know what, how much that meant to her that day. You didn't see her ever again. But, but you have no idea. Here's what was going on in her life. And you giving her that seat restored a sense of self-respect to her. And it changed the course of the day. See, the, even the simple, seemingly menial things that we reach out and do to help other people. Jesus says, don't confuse us. You will not lose your reward. We are to be a helping presence in this world. And as we help others, people go, What's that? What's that? Four characteristics. It's not an all inclusive list. But here's the great thing about this list. It's a list that every one of us can embrace, that every one of us can build on, that every one of us can leave this place right now and begin to use. And as we use them, as we live them, as we embrace them, as we share them, we will increasingly be the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. That's our goal. That's our mantra. That's our challenge. That's our privilege. That's our opportunity. I guess the question could be, how much do you stink? How much do you stink for the cause of Christ? But we'll say it in a kinder way. We'll ask the question this way. How contagious are you? How contagious are you? Let's bow our heads. How about how contagious are you? In your family. 
How contagious are you? What fragrance are you? In your workplace, how contagious are you? In your school, if you're going to school, how contagious are you? How contagious are you in the restaurant? When you've been waiting for that refill of your Coke. You're getting impatient with the waitress. How contagious are you? How encouraging are you? How accepting are you? How forgiving are you? How helpful are you? You can do this. There's not a man or a woman here that cannot embrace and deploy these characteristics. And you're going to be the benefactor if you do it. But as believers, and the bulk of us here are believers, process that, I do want to reach out to someone who may be here, who your greatest need is not becoming a contagious Christian, your greatest need is to become a Christian, because you're not. Now you may be religious, and you may have even engaged in Christian religious ceremonies, but that doesn't make you a Christian. See, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And it's a personal relationship between a man, between a woman, and Jesus Christ. Most people are living life hoping that somehow they're going to live a good enough life that God's going to allow them into heaven. Well, if that's your eternal strategy, I want to lovingly tell you, you are on the wrong road. Because listen to what the Bible says. Not what I say, not what Florida Bible says. But listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Did you get that? Especially the last part. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. If we could earn our way to heaven, Jesus never needed to come and die on the cross. But the fact is, we can't earn our way to heaven. The only way that we can go to heaven is to cross that bridge of the cross back to God. And we do that by trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Have you ever done that? Have you ever allowed Jesus Christ to pay your sin debt? Have you ever established that personal relationship with Him? If not, the good news is that's why God brought you here today to give you that opportunity. Well, no one's looking around. Believers are still praying for you. And believers are examining their lives. If you've never trusted Christ, but right now you feel the presence of God knocking on the door of your conscience, saying, this is why I brought you here. This is the forgiveness that you need. Well, no one's looking around. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. But right now I feel God's presence. As we wait just a second, anyone. Father, from the testimony here today, we're all believers, and that's great. That's really great. God, now help us to not only be believers, but help us to be contagious Christians. Help us to, to, right now, have a new resolve in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, that when we stand up here in a minute and leave this place, 
that we're going to do so to the best that you allow us to and give us the power to, we're going to accept others unconditionally. We're going to look for those who are outcasts and we're going to reach out to them. We're going to be people of encouragement. We're going to use these miles to build, not to tear down. We're going to forgive freely. And even right now, you're bringing to our minds somebody that we need to have reconciliation with. And we're going to be helpers. Our life is going to be characterized by what we give to life and give to others, not what we try to take from them. Because we're going to help willingly. And God, we know if we do it, we're going to be the beneficiaries of it. It's going to give us purpose and fulfillment. We'll have self-actualization. It'll build our self-esteem and we'll have a real sense of your love and belonging to your family. Lord, make it true in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to leave in just a moment. Don't forget as you leave to give the Lord your gift. Give Him your tithe. Give Him your offering. There's offering kiosks at all the exits. And, and please support the work of the Lord. And, and let's be careful now. Here's what starts to happen this time of year. is Summer comes and we say, well, I'm going to take a break from God. I'm going to take the summer off. Well, how about if I pray that God takes the summer off from anybody who takes the summer off from God? How about if I do that? I'm going to be real confident about that one. So let's keep faithful to the Lord. Through some, go on vacation, have a great time. But let's keep faithful to the Lord. Now, next week's Memorial Day weekend, and we're going to have a great memorial celebration here and all the services. Then the following week, I'm going to start a brand new series. I told you about it last week. Satan's Most Believable Lies. Satan's native language is lying. And many of us don't understand that he's lying to us every day. And unfortunately, he's got some pretty believable lies that people are buying into. And so I'm going to invite you to come and invite you to invite people to come as we unmask Satan's most believable lies. There's these little cards in the back. You can take them. They're invitations. They talk about the service times. They talk a little bit about what the series is going to be about. It's a good little thing that you can do as you're out encouraging others and as you're uh, reaching out to the outcasts and all that kind of thing. Just say, hey, come on to church with me and hear this series because I don't want you to be a victim of Satan's most believable lies. Let's all stand. Now today, we're not going to do the chairs. We're going to leave them seated right here. So uh, don't tear anything apart. Just have a great day. Enjoy each other in the Lord. Thank you for being here today. Shake someone's hand on the way out. God bless you. Have a great week.